This episode contains content surrounding addiction and eating disorders, which may be triggering for some. If you or someone you know is in need of support, there are places where you can go for help. Please see the podcast details below for resources. You can also go ahead and call National Eating Disorder Association Helpline at 1-800-931-2237. They also offer click-to-chat messaging at www.nationaleatingdisorders.org. You can also contact SAMHSA hotline for individuals and family members facing mental health and or substance abuse disorders at 1-800-662-HELP. Again, that's 1-800-662-4357. If you're in need of immediate help and assistance, please text HOME to 741741. You are now listening to What the Bell with me, Bell. Come along and join me as I bring you on a wild turn and twist of adventures from life's lessons, love advice, and just the pursuit of living your best damn life with a little sprinkle of gossip and positivity to sit back, relax, and grab your hot tea, because here we go. Let's start the show. Hey guys, hey, it's me. So, sorry, I just ran up some stairs really fast and um, when I'm recording this, it's April Fool's Day, and I am not about the insensitive and <laughs> all those other mean jokes, but <sighs> guys, <laughs> I am about playing jokes on my um, grandparents for sure. Fun jokes. Well, fun for me, whatever. So let me just fill you in real quick. Unfortunately, they're glued and brainwashed to what I say um, on watching Fox News. I know, I know, guys. What the fuck? So anyway, so I thought it would be hilarious. And I woke up at 4 a.m. this morning. I went downstairs to their living room and I put a parental control on all the news um, channels, um, especially Fox, but on all the news channels, even local channel two, um, the only local news stations they have is three, four, five. So (laughs) they were trying to figure out what was going on. Like, we can't get any channels on our TV. I was like, what are you trying to watch? And Anyway, uh, long story short, it's still locked because they thought, like, for some reason they couldn't watch TV anymore. And so now they're watching TV land. So um, we'll follow up with more on that later, probably on the Instagram, because I find it extremely hilarious. But as I said in a preview last week, um, I am going to be covering YouTube series documentary by Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil. And this 100% touches base on all the things. So it's no secret that she did overdose um, back in 2018. Um, she almost died, basically, which we're going to get into more of this, you know, as we go through the episode. But guys, it was such an eye opener to even know more of the things, because, of course, just like with anybody else, celebrity or not, you only know exactly what people want you to see. Right. And I just think her telling her story is so great. We actually briefly last week um, talked about it in my ther- own therapy session and correlated a lot of the crazy like I'm not even gonna say not even differences I was gonna say that but for some reason we don't have differences like me and Demi unfortunately share a lot of the same mental health issues and not a lot of people know that and or you know nowadays more people are finding that out but anyway um we'll get into that when we get into that so let's start this thing off 
Oh my god, 2008 was such like a year. Like, I mean, 2008, 2018 was such a year. So during this time, Demi Lovato, they were recording the world tour behind the scenes stuff in 2018. <laughs> and so right here, we're gonna get a bunch of montages and footage of her owning the stage, doing all of her great hits, looking bomb as fuck. Okay, no, but in all honesty, yes. Um, I actually went on one of those um tours, the one which she did with Nick Jonas was great that was the first concert i believe i took adam to anyway so we see demi coming in and out of private jets sleeping in in this area i believe that you're just getting a really really fast paced uh, motion of her like her life and what she's having to do on the daily you know at this point in time we hear like this lady we don't know who she is at the time and she's like oh my god you're doing so great you're living the dream there's only you know great things to come caption says one month or one you know one month before the overdose and i was like oh my god Demi, i think this was the best show you have ever done and you know what it's just only gonna get better from here yeah and then come to find out that was her mother on the phone telling her these things as she's behind the scene like praising her and that is just so sad because no telling what she was struggling with then who really knows, right? And I mean, being in some sort of a light, I mean, you don't even have to be in a light, but there's times where you're like, I'm not going to share these things about me because the people I love or am close to are going to look at me differently. And guys, I hate to say it, but sometimes that's true. And other times people would rather you tell them what you're feeling and come to them on a very much so like real level. But it's hard to kind of get to that point. So we come to black screen and it lets you know the obvious. Demi was hospitalized on July 24th. The 2018 documentary was permanently shelved. Demi stepped away from the spotlight and all filming was halted. That means that this, what they were recording in 2018, all the clips that we had just saw, these things were never going to be shown to the world. The documentary that they were filming then as a whole was never going to be shown until now like we're gonna see some of the backstage stuff and it's really to get an insight um because of course i've already seen these um these episodes on youtube and i think it's just really to you know get a feel of what she was doing then and you can kind of even see her struggling because if we're gonna go back and forth through some flashbacks of this 2018 documentary and you know you you can really tell by some of the things she said that it's just so heartbreaking oh my god And I don't know who um, has seen this already, but if you haven't or have, I'm getting really big Twilight vibes from this whole intro of the woods, the mountains, and all that. Like, someone give me Edward calling in here ASAP, right? <laughs> so this documentary was recorded in spring of 2020. Obviously, all the COVID stuff was happening, so you end up seeing... Um, bits and pieces of them with the sign-ins the check-ins the temperature checks and all this and that while you're kind of seeing flashbacks of the uh, well not flashbacks but like um, flashes of people who are going to be in the documentary some people you recognize which are like her parents and then other people are just like you know friends like her one friend uh, what's his name like Michael Montgomery or something he's like in the Broadway scene or whatnot but then we see other people and we don't know who they are and it doesn't give your names yet like you know if you know you know if you don't you know 
Let me just tell you, her assistant, or we'll come to find out later, that's her former assistant. Like, she has saved the day. Like, and that is literally an understatement. This tour has been fun every show. The best way to describe it is that she's just like tuned in. She's here, she's present, she's happy. So flash forward or flashback, sorry, you see some of the 2018 documentary and you see some of the dancers saying like, this is the best that Demi's ever been. And she's so on point and she's here and she's there. But then we also see images and um, parts where it's like, can you turn the cameras off? I've been trying to get away from this for 13 years and whatnot. And you can just tell in her face how miserable she is. In that documentary, I was allowing the cameras to see the tip of the iceberg. Can we turn the camera? I've been working on trying to be free for 13 years. And it's just like, that's kind of like so telling on how you can be one person in front of certain people and then completely turn it off because you just don't want any of it. I totally know how that feels. I'm sure a lot of people know how that feels and a lot of people even do that. Um, on their daily lives and they may not realize it like within work. Anytime that you suppress a part of yourself, it's gonna like overflow at some point. And that's ultimately like what happened to me in a lot of areas of my life. And it was what led to my overdose for sure. It's crazy to know that there was so much going on with Demi to where she suppressed so many things because, you know, it's no secret she had been struggling with addiction and she had been struggling with um, substance abuse and, you know, mental health issues and whatnot. And I mean, from the outside looking in, you would think, oh my God, okay, she has her life together. Everything's fine. And it's not. She's just suppressed so much and she really contributes to the suppressing of everything to her OD, which I mean, one person can only take so much. And unfortunately, you know, her... And I don't want to say it distastefully, drug of choice, but drug of choice was, you know, were, were drugs. You know, other people have different, quote, drugs of choice, which are other bad habits that aren't good for yourself or your well-being or the others around you. And, you know, that was just hers. And that was her outlet to feel good. And, you know, it's really, really sad because I've known people to cut and I've known people to put themselves in high risk, high danger situations to get that adrenaline feel or to even just kind of come down, which sounds weird and a little contradicting, but it's not. <laughs> so now we meet her stepdad, um, Eddie De La Garza and her mother, and you meet her sister, Madison. And then I didn't actually realize that she had another sister. And um, we'll get to that in a minute because that's a whole hot thing there. But, you know, they all say, I didn't, um, there's a lot of things that people, the public don't know what happened. And her sister was like, it felt really weird. It felt like this wasn't happening. There's a lot that, that the public don't know. It was weird. It felt like, it felt like it wasn't happening. It felt like it wasn't real. It was certainly, uh, it's touch and go there for a little bit. Like it just wasn't real. It didn't seem surreal at the time. I mean, who really is going to think that they're going to get a phone call, which you're going to hear this a little later but I'm just gonna drop it now her parents don't even find they find out through her mom getting a text message that says I'm so sorry we're praying for you like how shitty is that who is texting people these things which you would think oh they already know but I'm sorry 
You shouldn't be texting anybody, any kind of like give a fucking phone call if you're so concerned and praying for somebody. Like what? So her mother had to was yeah, got on the phone with her assistant, I believe, and found out all the details that way. But at first, like nobody knew and they literally thought she was dead. She should be dead, like 100%. Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato. Por Americana, Demi Lovato. Superstar Demi Lovato. TMZ reports that the singer was rushed to the hospital. Law enforcement is stating that she overdosed. The 25-year-old singer was transported from her Hollywood Hills home this morning. Paramedics reportedly found her unconscious. Suffering what appeared to be a heroin overdose. Clearly, she knew she was using drugs, but don't know if she knew exactly what she was taking. After leaving her friend's birthday celebration, Demi texted her drug dealer, who she has been using since April, to bring her oxycodone. It is being reported that the oxycodone was also laced with fentanyl. The more the details come out about what went down, the more it becomes really obvious that she's really lucky to be alive. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine someone saying that she should be dead, but it's incredible to for them to all notice this. And as they go through all of these news stories, like they're panning to each person, you know, stepdad and mom, sister, sister, former assistant, best friend, um, best like sober companion that she has, which by the way, I love her hair. I wish I could totally pull it off, but your girl can't be doing that. You know, unfortunately it's looked down upon in my, in my current work situation, but nonetheless, yeah. And you just see them kind of. You, you kind of see them in their face that they're reliving this horrible story and this, you know, of hearing it constantly in the news and, you know, just even doing the interview, I'm sure it's pretty hard for them to, to have to go back to this place. I crossed a line that I had never crossed in the world of addiction. It's interesting that it took me a quarantine to work on this trauma stuff. I have never really taken the time to uh, dig deep and do the work on. You know, she touches base on, you know, taking the time to work through this trauma. And it took a freaking quarantine to do it, which recently, you know who you are, but I'm not going to throw your name out there. Um, had, you know, somebody I know and I care and I love about had just told me like, wow, this is what it took me to get some rest, which is insane because, you know, she's a hard worker. She's a, she's a great human being all the way around and she does so much for herself, her friends, her family, you know, she, she really puts herself last. And I can see this right, you know, here in, in Demi with what she said was that, you know, it took all this to really work on her, on her trauma and unfortunately took an overdose to actually do it as well. And guys, I just want to remind yourself, put yourself first. Okay. Like it is imperative that you put yourself first and you because like I've said before many times but I've also said recently like the past maybe the past three episodes it you need to care for yourself because if you're not caring for yourself you can't care for others like and I say but like what good are you and so yeah it was just really crazy to see that like Demi didn't feel like she could you know fully get herself because she was just so busy and then we go into her performing at concerts. And then we learn about her dad, which I didn't know some things about her dad going into it. And it's just unfortunate. Um, we had a, an estranged relationship, so we weren't close. And growing up my whole life, 
I longed for that relationship with him and then I resented him because he was an addict and an alcoholic and was abusive to my mom. And so I cut him out because I felt like, you know, it was causing more harm than good to have him in my life. So much like moi, she was estranged from her father. Um, she didn't have much of a relationship and she wanted that. She strived for that and to have him in his life. But unfortunately, he was an alcoholic. He was an abuser. He was addicted to drugs as well. Um, you know, we learned that he abused her, her mom and Demi was around for a lot of it. You know, since her mom, you know, her mom had met. And then we learned that she tried to get her dad better and wanted him to not die alone. But then he ultimately ended up dying because of an overdose and didn't find him till almost a week after, um, which was around Father's Day. And so she doesn't even know like when he actually died, which is the saddest thing ever, because she actually truly does you know have feelings for him and care for him and whatnot and you know this was his demise this one thing she didn't want from him we don't actually know the exact day that he died all we know is that by the time he was found he his body was too decomposed to have an open casket he had been laying there i think for about a week and a half before anybody found him and during that was father's day so every summer now that rolls around, I spend it kind of thinking, was today the day that my dad died? Is it tomorrow? And then also knowing that by the time Father's Day rolls around, like he was just laying there rotting. And that was the fear that I always had for him was that he would end up alone. Which one of us pause right here for a minute, but I hate, and I really, really don't like to say this because I hate it when people kind of say, oh, well, it's in your genetics, like you were destined to do this which can be a good thing or a bad thing but I hate to say it that like her you know genetically her father was this that and the other no matter how hard she wanted to try and help him and then you know because I'm gonna assume because of the abuse and whatnot and being around her father her mother you know ended up having an oxy addiction and you know an eating disorder and that's all Demi saw and you know, to say like, my God, like, not that she was destined for it, because I don't wish that for her or anybody else. But like, it, it was just there. And like, man, my heart breaks so much for her, because she is such a great person. And she doesn't deserve any of this to happen to her. Nobody does. But it's just really, really sad on how there's so many contributing factors to it. And I'm just like my dad. I definitely think that she had some things that were underlying that she was trying to self-medicate, just like I was trying to do when I was taking Xanax. I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Um, I was saying that her mom was addicted to Oxy. It was Xanax. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> that was my mistake. Um, I like to own those. So I'm so sorry. It was Xanax that her mom was addicted to. Sometimes I feel like that stayed with her for many years when I didn't know that she probably needed to work with a professional to work through some of that. Just like I didn't know they were causing issues in myself. And what I appreciate here is about like her mom coming in and owning her mistakes or her downfalls, you know, that she had as a young mother, you know, growing up into where she realized like, you know, Demi probably needed more professional help and needed this out of the other and then we wouldn't be sitting where we are 
And you know, it takes a lot of balls for anybody first off to admit that much less a parent to admit that they kind of did something wrong, you know, raising their child. So as Demi's been, we, we know before everything that happened with her OD, she's always been an advocate for mental health and, um, you know, really, really big on mental health, which she's opened my eyes before I've had to deal with any of this. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is really real. A lot of people, especially growing up in my community, you really put it off or you're just like, I get over it and whatnot. And obviously y'all have known and seen me grow for the past year that I've been on air and that I have really opened up myself with mental health, like 100%. So with her saying like, she was doing speaking events and being such a big advocate and then you know like she couldn't she hadn't helped her dad and it just really sucks because you know you can do so much good in the community and raise so much awareness but yet it's either you you yourself personally or somebody that you love and care about so much as a parent or just friend or family member you know going through the same thing and you know you can't help them and it sucks because you kind of you can't help somebody if they don't want to help themselves. But I guess she kind of feels like she gave up on him. And so she's feeling guilty for a lot of these things. Which I understand the guilt because I've dealt with guilt before recently. And, you know, after going through these topics with my counselors, it's like, really like no, yeah, there's no need to feel guilty. <laughs> but it's hard to kind of realize that at the moment. Yet here was my father who had bipolar schizophrenia and then on top of that, the disease of addiction, you know, and I hadn't helped him the way that I would have helped other people or the way that I had been preaching about. And that really ate up at me. But she also says like he was just too far gone at that point. Like it took her a while to realize that. But, you know, also her mom comes in and she says, Variety has to be your choice and no one else's if it is someone else's choice for you then it won't last and so i tried to get him to get help and i wasn't able to make that happen he just he wasn't ready and it was just so crazy like you know her mom had even tried to get him help and who knows how many different times and it's it's just like you know you put yourself through a lot guys Oh my God. And then, and then we learned she was in beauty pageants. Her mom put her in beauty pageants when she was young. Oh my God. How? Okay. So first off, I do like a good beauty pageant. I did when I was younger. I didn't partake in them, but I kind of wished I did. <laughs> Secretly, mom, hey, Lori, get it together. You know, I wanted to be in those, but no, seriously, she was in those and she ended up developing a mindset because of course everything's based on how you look and so she ended up saying i remember actually making a pact with myself saying if i don't win this pageant i will never eat again then you put me in front of a camera and on stage and it's just like of course i'm going to be super competitive and try to be the best at everything that i do skinnier you know her mindset was on a whole another level and then she gets brought in to um would you see a clip of her in barney which i remember finding that you know clip like years ago which was crazy because i forgot all about that and then you see her get into disney with camp rock 
and Camp Rock 2. And being on stage to begin with is 100% competitive. You want to put your all, you want to be the best at everything that you are doing and can do and even be a freaking overachiever. Sometimes you even come off as extremely cocky and it's like, hey, you know what? I'm trying to do what I need to do to get this job done or get this job to begin with. It's a really, really weird business and it just sucks. <laughs> so now we're going to get into more of her eating disorder and her friend, um, Michael Montgomery, um, you know, really opens up some and talks about her eating disorders. We had to be very careful what we ate around her, which sounds insane, but maybe some of the control that she had with her last team was put in place to help her so she wouldn't relapse in her eating disorder, but it totally backfired. You know, to to have to watch what you're eating around other people is, you know, insane. And a lot of people would probably get fucking annoyed at that. Like, I'm not gonna get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'd be like, look, Demi, I'm gonna eat the Cheeto and I don't care how you feel. But at the same time, it's like, you see what they were doing and it was trying to be helpful so she don't relapse into not eating and to you know being you know malnourished but yet like it 100% backfired because I remember seeing her on Instagram and whatnot um and um oh my god what's the other one snapchat constantly and you know about what she was eating or just really really putting her all into working out constantly and don't get me wrong she looked great but and I'm not going to put this out there for like a lot of people, but the majority of the time people, okay, some of the time, I want to take that back. Let me take that back. Some of the time people who deal with um, eating disorders um, or anything about themselves cosmetically and what they look like and they hit the gym for like hours and it becomes an obsession. It doesn't become something to be healthy with. It becomes more of an obsession to look a certain way. And this was her avenue because she wasn't doing drugs at the time. My team has consisted of assistants, a wellness coach, a dietitian, nutritionist, therapist. I've had all these people in and out of my life. I feel like decisions have been made for me more so than I've made decisions for myself. Not being able to make decisions for yourself. It. It, I'm not gonna lie it feels great <laughs> but then at a certain point you get tired of it you get so tired and you get fed up and you're just like this is my fucking life like I'm gonna live my life and I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want and I don't care what you what you think or what you're gonna say about it and I believe like she got to that point with all this and like it was only a matter of time until like she just you know then we meet Miss Jordan Jackson, her former assistant, who then, which by the way, I'm going to continue to praise her, but who then says that she had to spend many a nights with Demi at her place because she ate something that she wasn't supposed to and she would feel super, super bad. And then, you know, we go on to learn that she was miserable and that she could only be around people that were 100% sober, like no alcohol you know, no drugs, including, you know, weed. And it was very, very much so a controlled setting. And these people would get um, test drug tested and all this and that just so that way they are able to hang around her, which kudos to her friends and the family that were doing that. Because let me just tell you, if you're not 
going to go through hell and back for someone you love and care about, you don't love and care about them. Everything looks good on a sketch because it's a 10 foot, 90 pound model with a five inch waist. There's just so much pressure as a female in the industry to look a certain way and to like dress a certain way. And that shit is the stuff that I used to look up to. That shit's really triggering. She 100% hits the, what is it? The nail on the head, the head on the nail. Okay, she does something with the hammer and the nail, okay? But she gets it right. And she says, like, this is the shit I used to look up to. This is what actually women and girls are looking up to even now when it comes to the Kardashians, even though I love them. Hey, Kim, Coco, Court, Kai, you know, Kendall, Kenny. Anyway, um, but no, these are the, um, this is the shit that she's looking up to and aspiring to be. And, you know, even her as a, you know, one of the biggest artists out there too, struggling with this because oh her the designers are drafting up her costumes for concerts and they are long legged as you know tiny tiny waist models that are drawn on there and she's like I don't fucking look like this like how the fuck are you gonna t- put me in this and I don't look like this like it looks great on the sketch but what the fuck and that really really damages the way someone thinks about themselves especially if they're dealing with eating disorders and just body dysmorphia to begin with and it's really really just fucked up (laughs) on how it is you know in the industry and all these controlled settings for six years these people what you can do what you can eat what she's wearing her the workout regimen for six years and she is told you have to be sober you have Oh, gosh, (laughs) you know, you have to be this role model. You're this icon for people to look up to. You, you know, people don't want to be that in the first place. But then it's like, well, look at the career you kind of chose. And I don't want to say that about her or anybody else, because everybody deserves to live the life that they want to live. But, you know, I don't know. At one point, we all just have to look at ourselves, no matter who's looking up to us and realize that we need to do what's best for us. And not saying that being sober isn't what's good for her, but we need to be making these own choices and these own decisions and our own decisions and not being controlled because you pull that rein in too much on anybody, you're, you're bound to get bit. And the legendary, iconic Debbie, <laughs> this is a special day, six years sober. We then see her celebrate six years of being sober on stage with DJ Khaled, another one. And <laughs> guys, y'all know how I feel about DJ Khaled. Love him. Oh my God. So for a man who just comes over and literally yells on every, um, every song, like he's making money and I want to be like him. <laughs> no, but we learned that one month after this show, the six year um, anniversary of her being sober, she relapses with drugs and alcohol. And then within three months, she would be fighting for her life. OD. And she got to a point to where she didn't even know why she was sober anymore. She's miserable and she's not happy. She's not living her life for her. And she picks up a bottle of red wine. And it wasn't even 30 minutes before she called someone that she knew that had drugs on them 
And she said she's ultimately surprised she ended up, she didn't end up ODing that night. I ended up at a party. I just so happened to run into my old drug dealer from six years before. And like the odds of that happening was crazy. And he like had a duffel bag and I just went to town. I went on a shopping spree. Okay, pause. Who? Is going into okay, so maybe I'm just that old now, but or I'm just not going into parties or anything like that. But even when I was, who is going into parties with a duffel bag? Like I remember people having like you know some coke, some weed, some drug, some pills or whatever when I was partying it up, and it wasn't it it was literally in their pockets, <laughs> like in little baggies. It wasn't in like full on duffel bags, so. Who the hell is having these duffel bags? I'm literally imagining some like big old black bag that looks like you would kind of take to the gym. Um, maybe looks a little beat up, a little combat style um, bag that has like all the stuff and you just kind of open it. Like if somebody opened up their pocket with a, with a, a trench coat on, it's like, all right, what do you want? But <laughs> and I don't mean to make light of the situation or make fun of it, but I just kind of want to fucking know who is go rolling in these places with duffel bags I don't know maybe I'm rolling with a whole different crowd because obviously that crowd has money and whatnot so the guy with the duffel bag is probably like I'm gonna make some good money this night like you know let me bring the whole shebang with me I don't know guys but oh my how did how did she not OD on that like I'm glad she didn't but the mixture of so many things like ooh, and oh my gosh so many of these hard drugs that she has tried even that night is crazy I'd never done meth before. I tried meth. I mixed it with Molly, with Coke, weed, alcohol, Oxycontin. And like that alone should have killed me. One thing that's constant throughout this, um, throughout these episodes is that you're going to hear from different people speak and you're going to hear them say. She can hide stuff really, really well. Um, she was very well at hiding things. And let me just tell you, hiding things for me as well, is one of the easiest things that I can do. I don't like to say that I am a liar <laughs> because I will eventually say it. But if I'm going through something, um, if I'm doing something and I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to, I am pretty sure I can hide things very well. I know I can hide things very well. Um, I didn't always used to be like that. First off, let me tell you. Um, but I've gotten better at it. and the better I became at speaking and being around more people and just be more aware of stuff. And I don't know, I, I understand how she could hide these things and because she's trying to protect these people. And there's one thing about me as well. I'm always trying to protect the people in my life, whether it's something that I'm doing that's bad that may hurt them or whatever the case may be. So throughout this whole thing, you're going to hear people say she was very good at hiding things. And I mean, I can really, like, I mean, come on now. Are we talking about heroin? Are we doing that? Yeah. Okay. I just can't believe she was using heroin. I cannot believe any of that. Like, that is some hard shit. And then to try and use it recreationally, like, hey, don't get me wrong. I thought the same thing, that if you weren't injecting it with a needle, like, you couldn't, like, OD over it or anything like that or become addicted. And obviously, that's not the case. It's totally the opposite. Or not even the opposite. It's just once you do it you can be addicted to it and you can want it over and over and over again like that's an issue and so I can't believe it it's um 
any of these drugs are completely dangerous and shouldn't be meddled with. I go upstairs and I find her in the bathroom and she's got, you know, tin foil and she's smoking something. The fact that she walked in and she went to go find her and walked in on her smoking something, which it wasn't weed, you know, it was something else, something hardcore. And then her completely not even realizing somebody's there. Like, oh my God. I could only imagine how her friend felt, especially because that's her, um, her like sober friend. Somebody who's just, you know, been by her side throughout everything, um, for years. And she's like, dude, I can't fucking do this anymore. Like they're literally trying to keep her alive. And it just sucks because she's going back. She's going in reverse through everything. So we learned that she wrote, um, sober while on a trip in Bali um, which, if you don't remember, that was when she wore that beautiful and impressive, like, leopard bikini, and she was living her best life in there, which she was really living her best life. We didn't know that at that time. She realized she was addicted and dependent on heroin. And she says how she, you know, after that, she went to Europe for the tour, stayed clean, sort of. She ended up going out and going to drink and whatnot and you can kind of just tell these people that she's surrounded by are very much so partiers and they don't have her best interest at heart I mean I don't care who they are if that was my friend in any kind of value and I knew what she was going to going through sorry I would have been like bitch stop like no this ain't funny like stop and I wouldn't have cared if I lost her friendship or if I lost my job if I was one of her dancers or whatever I don't know who all the people were in the in that clip but needless to say you know Demi Lovato I don't want to say has issues but we because we all have issues but she has issues and I would have been like sis stop girl girl come on now let's go do something else and then if we cease to be friends and we cease to be friends because of it but just know that I'm trying to help you because I love you and you care about you only a certain window as a parent that you have to guide your kids and you can give them advice when they're older you can certainly advise them when they ask you but a lot of it you don't see because they don't live in the same house as you and i 100 percent resonate with what her mom is saying here and that you can only tell your kids because let me just tell you when it comes to her mom she gives me advice and she always tells me like hey, I'm giving you this advice, um, but I can't tell you what to do. Or she's just telling me like, oh, this sounds nice. Like, for instance, if we're talking about a house right now that we're in the process of buying, she's just like, oh, well, just look out for this, that, and the other. She was like, if you want, she goes, but, you know, of course, it's where you want to live and what kind of house you want. And, you know, that's between you and Adam. That's your choice. And so, you know, growing up, she's always, um, as in my adult life, she's always tried to kind of just advise me. And she knows that she can't tell me how to live my life, contrary to what my grandmother tries to do. But that's another story for another day. Um, it's actually a therapy thing. But, <laughs> but yeah, you can only give advice. And that's exactly how I see like my friends is that I would do anything for any of my friends and my family. And but I can't force them to do what needs to be done, what what's the right thing to do. And I can only advise them and try to guide them and into being a better person or 
you know, going about their situation in a, in a better way, brighter light. I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but yeah, so I totally get it. Like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us now having to be grownups now ugh, for adulting can understand that. So now we come to the night of the overdose and oh my God, she goes to a party with her friends and her friends don't know what she's been doing and she keeps us all so hidden. Like I've said before that you're going to hear many times is that she's very, very good at covering things up or just hiding them to begin with. And this was hiding the fact that she was addicted to crack and heroin. Oh, hey, be careful. Okay, I'm sure. I don't know why, but like, I've just like felt like I needed to tell you that ever since I was at your house. Like, okay. just be careful. I'm always careful. Take care of yourself. Guys, I am such a believer in people just feeling like they need to say something to someone else or, you know, get a message out or do something. Um, I'm all about um, listening to your gut, uh, having these, uh, what am I God, what are they called? Um, intuitive thoughts and just really listening to your gut. And so when her friend said this, like she needs to say to be safe. Like this is actually in the, uh, in the documentary they were filming prior for the tell me you love me tour and this is obviously before she overdoses so my god to say that and not know what's going to happen next is insane and wow i want to try this drinking smoking thing like i just want to see if i can handle it you know she lied to these people that she was with and you know, made it seem like, oh my God, hey girl, hey, um, I just want to smoke a little weed. Um, I just want to do a little drinking. Like I've been sober since I was 19. Like I want to try it. Um, what is this about? <laughs> but in the reality, of course she knew like, no, no, <laughs> this is, um, completely different. This is, uh, very weak probably to me. Cause you know, she, like you said, she was addicted to heroin and crack, which is, you know, so not on the level of, you know, marijuana at all. Now we're getting to around 5 a.m. And now Demi's back at her house after this party. I met up with some friends. We went to several different bars. We came back to my house. Um, and around 5.30 in the morning, I said I was going to bed. But the reality was that I had called one of my dealers over. And now we're at 11.22 a.m., the morning of her overdose. Paramedic officer 65, what's the address of the emergency? I, we just need to get somebody out here. Yeah, do you know what happened to her, okay? I'm going to be there shortly. Stay with the patient. I'm going to remain on the line with you all the way until the paramedics arrive, okay? Okay, we just need someone to block them down, right? Yeah, please, yeah. And guys, that's where I leave you for this episode. It was a lot, and it was very, very much so jam-packed of all the things that you may or may not have known about Demi and this overdose thing. I can't believe in like, I've, I've, I'm going to be honest. I've watched episode one, like a bunch of times already, um, to try and figure out the right words to say and really understand what she's been going through and was going through there in a really tough and difficult time in her life and every time it's just so brand new to me and I feel for her and I pray for her 
and as weird as that may sound you may be like b you don't even know this bitch like that like you're here praying no i'm gonna pray for my girl because she's struggling with a lot of things and just like many of us we can all use some prayer in our life so guys again i hope you enjoyed this part one on losing control dancing with the devil docuseries on youtube by demi lovato um next week i will go ahead and be back with two and three so until then it's okay to not be okay and if you need help please go ahead and check out the podcast notes below i only want to make sure you and your loved ones are safe talk to you later bye Hey guys, the fun doesn't stop here. Make sure you're following us at the link in the bio. And yes, we are on all the things.